What's up, Danny? Welcome. This is the <laughs> God damn it, Danny. Yes, I am sorry, this I said that is very quietly. The I read comic books podcast. Yeah, the new show. It's just ASMR. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. <laughs> also want to tell you we have a we have a PS5. We're giving away a PS5 as well as <laughs> We'll be combing our microphones so that you can feel those. Oh, God. Sanders going to hate this. I know. Sanders Sanders kicking my ass. This is the I Read Comic Books podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. This week, I am joined by two action figures brought to life by the holiday spirit, Brian Murray. Hello. And Nick White. Hey. Thank you both for joining me this week. This is episode 266, the last official episode of the year. Next week, we'll have a mini-sode that Brian and I are very excited to deliver to you. It's it's going to be something to look forward to. But because we're here to talk about comic books on the last week of the year, as far as I'm concerned, I have two questions to ask to Brian and Nick. How have you been? And how have comic books been? Let's start with you, Brian. I've been pretty good. I did this fun thing where I was like, yeah, we're not really doing Christmas this year. So I didn't think about it. But now I have like three days to drop off gifts to a bunch of people and just did not schedule that well. Oh, no. Comics wise, things are going great, though. We got we only find them when they're dead. Number four this past week. Hell yes. I'm really digging it still. Um, The world continues to be very interesting. And I'm trying to get a little bit more background on these characters, especially why Richter, who is like the the space cop, for lack of a better word, and why she hates Georges so much. Um, <laughs> my my one complaint, and it's not really a, a complaint, it's just a, a thing that I thought was cool but didn't quite work for me, is the first uh, couple of pages, like each individual frame, like each box on the page is a different character and frequently cutting between two different times as well. And it's, it, it's really cool. Once you kind of get what's happening, mm-hmm. I just had a really hard time getting my brain sort of wrapped around what they were doing. Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, but how beautiful is that book? Oh, really? it's gorgeous. <laughs> it, like the, the art continues to be incredible. Uh, I mean, Ewing is still knocking it out of the park writing wise. I, I cannot say enough good things about this book. Yeah. They're, they're usually like, I feel like I've read other books like this that have the same kind of trajectory and like the same pacing and stuff. And I always fall off of them or I lose interest really quickly. This book, I can't stop being excited for like every month. I'm not losing any of the details, just the way that some of these characters click in my head. It is a stupendous book. And yeah, I'm I'm super glad that you brought it up on the show, Brian, because I didn't even know this book was coming out like way back when issue one came out. So I'm I'm very much loving it. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's actually it's the first book that I've subscribed to digitally because Ooh. I couldn't stand waiting to get it from my comic shop. <laughs> so you know that you're going to end up picking it up in trade or something. Though. Yeah, that's, that's what I have. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. Well, uh, Nick, what about you? How, how have you been? What have you been reading? All that stuff. Well, I mean, personally, the Formula One 2020 season just wrapped up. So I don't 
Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, except I guess I guess I can just rewatch all of the races again and just manually switch between the driver cams of my favorite drivers. So it sounds like I know exactly what I'm going to do. So maybe maybe I'm not at a loss. Um, uh, Formula One, cut me the check. I've been watching for long enough. I know you got the money. I know you got the money. Nick likes Formula One so much that he bullied me into getting a subscription. And I say bully me in that he sent me money so that I could get my own subscription. But that's where we're at in terms of F1 dedication. Yeah. uh, Thank you. That's that's exactly right. Um, So send me that Formula One money. Uh, In terms of what I've read... Uh, I'll just briefly say, um, again, I did read the first volume of the Bloodborne comic from Titan. Mm -hmm. Titan has really, I think, I think it's so hard these days to really carve out an identity or sort of your own corner in, in comics in terms of like, this is who we are, this is what we do. But Titan has very much been like, look, we really like licensed stuff. That's kind of what we've gotten into. And then further beyond that, I think they've really said we're really interested in doing video games. Um, And and obviously Dark Horse also kind of has part of that market corner, but I think they've got some deal with EA. So, of course, they've got a big thing going on there. That said, if you like Bloodborne, visually, this book is just pitch perfect from Alishkot and Peter Kowalski. Um, Kowalski's artwork is just absolutely stunning. Um, clearly he did his research, which I suppose the bare minimum you would ask for this book would be like, geez, did you ever actually like play the game? Look at the game. That would be great. Um, but it's just pitch perfect spot on the costumes, the characters, the monsters, um, the dilapidated castles and, and buildings, just everything's perfect. I really enjoyed that. I think I'll be reading volume two. I'll also briefly say I read Rye number 10, which apparently is the last issue, although this is kind of a misnomer that I wish I would stop seeing everywhere. Uh, It's not, it's probably not the last issue. The issue does end with Rye will return, and the way that the book ends, I almost certainly believe that that has to be true, otherwise it's kind of an anticlimactic ending we'll see what happens this is from dan abnett um writing juan jose reap and benny lobel on art andrew dollhouse is doing the colors dave sharp is doing the letters one thing i did not like about this book is that unless i misread it it looks like benny lobel shows up for about the last eight pages of the artwork and Lobel's artwork just does not look like Reap's, period. And Valiant, again, not to get on the Valiant six years ago was perfect and God's gift to our planet, whatever. Oh, really? That said, (laughs) that said, Valiant used to swap artists in books when it narratively or tonally or perspective-wise made sense. This artist swap feels like a very DC or Marvel, we need to hit a deadline, bring in the next person and assign them the pages. That's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like there's purpose behind it. It feels like it's just, oh, we need to finish this book, which is sad, uh, honestly. Um, 
Lobel does an okay job, but tonally I would have preferred to have Reap finish the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoyed that. There were two wild revelations at the end of this issue. One that I sort of kind of predicted, but just not how they executed it. And the other one was completely out of left field to the point that if this book does not come back, I do not know why they did the reveal that they did, unless they're going to try to carry it over into another book, which of course is just very complicated. Right. Um, we'll also briefly say I did read Sentient, 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 however you want to say that, um, from TKO by Jeff Lemire and Gabriel Walta on art, famously known for doing The Vision, perhaps less famously known for doing Magneto with Colin Bunn. Um, uh, how could you i mean come on let's take a step back here that book i mean i know probably not known for magneto but geez oh Pete's, if you think the vision is good like that book is trash compared to his magneto work oh wow uh, here we go yeah, this is yeah, the hot, hot take hot i was looking for takes. listen coming off of last night's discord hangout it's all hot yeah. takes today i slept on yeah. it and now i'm all hot takes anyways go ahead nick sorry no no i love it i love it i'm here for the drama um <laughs> I I was I put this book off for a while because I was like, you know, what is this book really going to be? I think I just worked it out in my brain and I was like, oh, no, the kids are in charge of the spaceship. What hijinks will happen? Because apparently all something happens to all of the adults and these kids are left um, with this uh, spaceship's AI basically to, to look after them. And what happens next? And I was like, OK, like, what is this really going to be? And I was like. It's a Lemire book, so it's at least going to be sad. But Lemire's not going to kill kids, so, like, what are the real stakes here? And then I was like, all right, I've got this book figured out. And then a few hours later, I was like, oh, that's right. He did kill that kid in Animal Man. (laughs) Whoops. He did kill Buddy Baker's son. Never mind who knows what's on the table or not. Mm -hmm. But um, that said... I think it's not of all of the people involved with this book. It's nobody's all caps greatest work of all time. Uh, I think that goes without being said. It's not, it's not anybody's best thing ever. Is it very readable? It is. Will you read it in one sitting? Almost certainly. Um, And if I were to sort of give a framing device to how I found it interesting, if you look at it as sort of, um, kind of like the flip side of 2001 A Space Odyssey, you know, as opposed to like the idea of will Windows XP, if you give it enough, you know, processing power, will it try to murder you when you go into space? If the flip was flip side was, oh, you know, what if computers could help us and look after us and look out for us? I, I think that this book tries to maybe explore that side of technology which of course i'm just very suspicious of because uh mm-hmm. i'm not gonna let facebook babysit my kids if that's what this book is trying to, I, to I, get at sure is that i should I, let mark zuckerberg you know look after the well-being of of america's youths because clearly that's not right. happening anyway um right. sorry well, to get hashtag political everyone it's too late it's too late damn it um one question from the chat, uh, which, by the way, we are, you know, recording this live and hanging out on our Discord. If you're not there, you should be there. Uh, Nick, did you read the Expanse book that came out this week? I haven't. I haven't. Okay. I I'm looking forward to it. I think it's supposed to be a prequel to season five, and Maybe. the chat can. Okay, Cinco yeah. says yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm I'm looking forward to that. It's always interesting with books like this to see if they really are given a lot of narrative room to work with, or if it's somewhat like Star Wars books where, you know, Disney and, and Marvel very carefully kind of carves out a little corner, you know, and sure. says, work within this space. Please don't, please don't kill Han Solo. Um, you know what? We don't know who's seen what Star Wars movie. I won't finish that statement. You never know. Yeah. We won't go there. We uh, won't. Just curious, because I figured we should answer the questions that were in the chat. Um, yeah. Before I get into what I read recently, um, we did get some responses on our Instagram when I asked folks to tell us what they've been reading. Uh, Dom with a little D says, Deadly Class Volume 9, One Punch Man, and a wee bit of Second Coming. Um, and Art Tapple said, Abbott by Saladin Ahmed. So, you know, great picks, I guess, all around. Uh, I mean, rereading Second Coming, are you crazy? Anyways, getting into what I read, I sat down and read Blue Flag Volumes 1 and 2. I read some other stuff. I read Kingdom Hearts Final Mix Volume 1, but you guys are going to hear about that in another later episode that's coming out, so you'll get my thoughts there. I also read Blue Flag Volume 1 and 2. Uh, this is Chapters 1 through 12 by Kato. For All I want to say is I don't know how this book was published in Shonen Jump. Not that it's bad, but it is 100% not a battle manga or a gag manga or about ghosts and demons. It's literally just like a slice of life comic that follows four characters, three characters, and then a fourth gets introduced later. And they're in this love quadrangle of things where one person likes this guy or one one person likes another person, but their best friend likes them and so on. It's, it's, it is wild. How many people are technically involved if it's a love quadrangle? Just four. Okay. Yeah. So it's love, love square. square. Yeah. Love yeah. square. We're going to quadrilateral. Anyways, it's, it's incredibly good. Uh, I highly recommend it. if you get a chance to read blue flag, I, I don't know how to describe it without spoiling it, but it is such a change of pace from a book that you would normally get from a shonen manga in general. And I think it's super important to see books like this getting published in Shonen Jump because they show like they allow, I think, people of the age that are reading these books, you know, between the ages of like 13 and 18 um, and then, you know, 32 year old me over here uh, to, to to read stories that aren't just like fighting and, you know, the stakes of the world are, are at the end. Um, it's instead about just like real life and under, like dealing with the ins and outs of being a teenager in love or in in lust or whatever you want to call it and just dealing with high school stuff and i i really appreciated the twists in this book because it has all of the pacing that you would expect from a shonen book where there's constant twists and turns but it's all emotional twists and turns rather than suddenly a ghost pops out of someone's chest or something like that so it sounds like they've really read. shown a jump and uh perspective and growth that's uh, yes. fantastic Yes, uh, get out of here, Nick. Um, but yeah, the, I will say like this, this book does such a good job of putting cliffhangers at the end of the chapters. It, you really have to stop yourself from reading. Like I, when I was originally reading this, I only planned to read like the first six chapters one night and then finish the rest of it um, the next night for this book club that I was part of. And I powered through all 12 and had to tell myself to stop because I didn't want to spoil the conversation that I was going to have with people um, two days later. So I plan on reading all of this. There's eight volumes total. Five volumes are available in English and it's every other month um, new volumes are coming out until it's done. So if you get a chance, Blue Flag volumes one and two is fantastic. Anyways, let's uh, let's move on and talk about comic books that are coming out soon. But I guess before we get there, I want everyone to to 
to know that in January of next year, January 24th, we are recording the IRCB annual number six. And for this year, I actually want to try to do some planning in advance. We want to hear from you. So we want you, if you get a chance between now and January 24th, the day that we record, we want you to send us an email with a voicemail of some kind or voice recording, or you can call us. Let us know what your favorite comics were from the last year, your favorite episodes, ask us a question, and just send us something to help us celebrate six years, or our sixth year, I guess, of I Read Comic Books. Yeah, if you, if you get a chance, send an email over to ircbpodcast at gmail.com, or you can call us at 616-209-9152 and leave us a voicemail. Let us know anything and everything about comic books or something about the show that you've enjoyed or maybe even disliked who knows we'll, we'll blast things blast ourselves right on you know the air but yeah send us a voicemail it'd be really really fun we're trying something new this year and i'm going to try to remind folks um as the weeks lead up to that that episode so anyways let's talk about comic books um oh, oh, i should say one other thing with that if you do leave us a voicemail we'll be giving away a t-shirt a hat and a sweater to three lucky callers so if you want one of those fancy hats that we just released or a new sweater that we released or a t-shirt one of our many t-shirts you know we'll make one for you and send it out to your house for free raffling it off it's going to be a whole load of fun but yeah let's talk about comic books that are coming out comics are dropping on december 23rd 2020 what are you both excited for i'm going to kick it right back to you nick so for me, and I feel like every week now, given everything that's going on, sometimes the calendars and schedules for books are wrong or off. But with that prefix out of the way, from what I saw, it's Ice Cream Man 22 is supposed to be coming out. We'll see if this happens. Mm-hmm. It's called Advent Calendar. Obviously, people know that this book is by W. Maxwell Prince uh, writing, Martin Morazzo on art, Chris O'Halloran on colors. Um, and like, even from the cover already, there's like a good amount of analysis that you can start to sort of break down. Obviously it looks like, uh, an advent calendar and we'll probably post a picture with the notes, but some of the numbers on the advent calendar are missing and some of the doors on the calendar are open and other ones aren't. And normally with other books, you'd be like, oh, well, this is just a, an art choice or an aesthetic choice. But mm-hmm. with this book. You know, it's time to put on it's time to put on the tinfoil hat because uh, let's break it down. Right. Like especially the 24th is missing. Why is the 24th missing? Very interesting. This is the sort of stuff that my overactive brain eats up for dinner. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Like I said, the beauty of this is that you can see the cover, you can see the title, and you already have an idea of the sort of like form that Prince is going to play with. You know, we're probably going to break down all of the different, you know, the 25 days or something like that. Um, Ice Cream Man meets Christmas sounds terrifying. I just want to say that. Is he going to kill Santa? He's probably going to kill Santa or he's going to convince the kids in a house to kill Santa, like to to immolate Santa as he comes down the chimney. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um if 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 I've predicted this W Maxwell Prince, I'm sorry. Um I, I don't think you and I have we've been reading through this series through the minisodes, and I don't think yeah. we've come close to predicting anything <laughs> right. So no. Keep trying. No, I guess. It's always been miles worse than miles ahead. <laughs> yeah, like worse exactly. than we could ever imagine. Exactly. Um also, um 
I just want to throw this in. This was also part of the solicit um, that I'm about to read, and it shows you how different of a time and a place it was when this was written. Uh, quote, all caps, uh, Hollywood News, uh, Universal Content Productions, UCP, is developing an ice cream man adaptation for the short form streaming platform. You guessed it. Quibi, uh, according to an exclusive <laughs> scoop from Deadline, it's set to debut in 2021. Well, I might not be able to predict Rip. what happens in this book, but I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Well, um, different times. Uh, Brian, what about you? What are you excited for this week? Uh, this week, I went ahead and picked a trade that's coming out. Uh, this is Angel and Spike Volume 1 from the, the i think this is a tie into the boom buffy the vampire slayer series mm-hmm. i can't be a hundred percent certain because it didn't specifically say that but i'm on board either way because i just love the the interplay between like stuffy uptight angel and then spike who is just like the the chaotic british punk from the 80s and the the way those two interact with each other has always been something I enjoyed. Yeah, I I love that Boom is continuing down this this path of just recreating what Dark Horse did, you know, like a decade and a half ago, <laughs> but like for a more modern audience rather than just trying to bank off of the TV show. So I think that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and Danny shared the the cover in the the discord chat and it's a perfect encapsulation of the relationship i'm talking about you know angel staring dead dead ahead just trying to drive this car and spike with a shitting grin on his face mm-hmm. that's uh that's that's the angel and 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 spike that i remember from the show uh <laughs> anyways uh yeah so that's exciting i i'm gonna Drop two. I re- didn't realize one book was coming out, so thank you to folks in the chat for reminding me. Um, I'm picking two books this week, breaking my own rules. Um, since it seems like the last couple of weeks, people have been at least one person's picked two items, and we're not going back to this. But nonetheless, I have to mention both of these. Um, my first pick is Excalibur number sixteen, Teeny Howard, Marcus Toe, uh, with Apocalypse. Uh, okay, so let me let me just say this is a full spoiler for the end of X of Swords. So if you haven't read X of Swords, I'm 100% going to spoil the end of x of swords um picking two books spoiling other I'm, books exactly. mike is I, just mike is a bad boy this week oh excuse me i sorry vg vg said that i should be calling this uh 10 of swords whatever uh <laughs> i i regardless all i'm saying is spoilers um and with apocalypse gone things are changed that's pretty much what the premise of this issue is uh i'm here for it i'm ready to see what teeny howard's going to do now that this big ten of swords thing has ended and we get to go back to uh betsy braddock trying to figure out how she's going to kick everyone's ass as captain britain um and and also a lot of the character development that they did through that series or the the x of swords ten of swords uh storyline was pretty interesting so i'm excited to see the fallout now that um x factor is just making beast evil and um, other books are kind of going their own direction uh, i'm really excited to see how this what i think was the main through line story um or series for ten of swords actually like how they play things out with the fallout so excited for that um i just want my 10 lashings of x-men comics and i'll be on my way and 
that was the joke I wrote in the notes and didn't get to it. Uh, the other book that I'm excited for is The Department of Truth, number four. This is James Tinian with Mark, Martin Simmons. Uh, the summary for this issue is how can a journalist ethically report on a story that they know can't possibly be true? If you've been reading this uh, Department of Truth series, uh, you kind you understand what, what the idea of that is, and it's blowing my fucking mind every issue of this book. Uh, the summary continues, as packages with proof of impossible stories keep arriving on one reporter's doorstep, sent by a mysterious entity only known as Q, one reporter must find the answers themselves. The thing that I love about this book is how on the nose it is about everything it's talking about. Like They're not trying to say, oh, there's this anonymous person on the internet named w who's saying all this no he's just <laughs> straight up trying. calling out like yeah they're just straight up calling out flat earthers and jfk assassination <sighs> uh conspiracy theorists like it is so fantastic to see tenyan just attack these conspiracy theories head on with his own massive twist on the entire thing and i i've absolutely loved this book i'm extra excited because um elsa chartier is going to be doing an issue of this book in the future and she's been talking about it on twitter and i'm super hyped but nonetheless this book is incre- is incredible and it'll it'll drive you a little bit crazy just how fantastic it is and on the nose it is so yeah department of truth number four it's my go-to anyways let's uh let's uh take a quick break and when we come back we're going to be talking about our goodreads book of the month farmhand volume one so we'll be back in just a second For our show this week on I Read Comic Books, we are talking about our Goodreads Book of the Month, Farmhand Volume 1, Reap What Was Sown. This is written, penciled, and inked by Rob Guillory, with colors by Taylor Wells, letters by Cody Chamberlain. This volume contains issues number one through five, originally published by Image Comics. Uh, quick summary of this book. Jedediah Jenkins is a simple farmer, but his cash crop isn't corn or soy. He grows fast, healing highly customizable human organs. And for years, Jed's organic transplants have brought healing to many. But deep in the soil of the Jenkins family farm, something sinister has taken root. Today, this dark seed will begin to sprout, and the Jenkins family will be the first to taste its bitter fruit. Just want to warn you, full spoilers ahead for this volume. If you haven't read it, you should hit pause, go read that volume, come back, hit play again, and listen. Uh, because we're going to be talking about everything and anything that happened in volume one of Farmhand. Brian, Nick, what did you guys think of this volume um, from Chu co-creator Rob Guillory? Well, the art is certainly interesting. Okay. I wish that it had, it had been more consistent. Like, I don't I don't mind a stylistic art choice when it's it's something that keeps happening. But I noticed a lot of, especially like heads and hands just kind of changed size as this book went on. Mm-hmm. Like occasionally a character's like would look like a normal proportioned human being. And then in the next page, their head is the size of their torso. And then in the next page, their hand is bigger than their face. Like if it was in every panel, it all looked similar. Then I could chalk it up as like a, this is a decision that was made, but when it's constantly changing like this, it just kind of makes me think this person doesn't really know how to draw people, do they? 
<laughs> Brian, don't ever read One Piece. I know I never, I didn't give a One Piece update this week or last week, but we're so close. I haven't read any more One Piece, but yeah, don't ever read. Mike, it. there was never any danger of that happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will. I mean, it's it's weird because I I understand what you're saying, but I also think it's like a cartooning style that just that Guillory just kind of runs with. Maybe it's a little bit more. Uh, stretched out than probably in Chu. I think Chu is a little bit more concise about that. But is the characters overall like are are kind of oddly shaped to begin with? They have humanistic designs, but I think like you look at someone like Tree as a character compared to Zeke compared to Jedediah, like they they all have like weird shapes that aren't necessarily uniform or proportional. Um, yeah. But I, I guess I could understand how it could bug you. I, I totally understand that. It reminded me a lot of Invader Zim, where there is something I can't quite put my finger on that is just kind of grotesque about mm-hmm. the art. Like it, mm-hmm. it leaves me a little unsettled, and I can't quite explain it. Which gotcha. uh, I got a grant like works in a a like weird body horror book like this kind of turns into, but it just kind of threw me off right out the get go. Yeah. What about you, Nick? What were your uh, initial thoughts? Well, um, this is the second time I've read this book. I know that at least Mike and I met Rob at C2E2 last year and got to briefly talk with him. And by briefly talk with him, I I mean, oh, I I liked you. Can I buy your new book? Will you also sign it? So it was, I, I mean, really a great conversation. I'm sure Rob appreciated it and remembers it. I, I but, thanked him for printing my letter in the back of his one of his issues. So, you know, oh boy, here I we go. A not so humble brag from Mike Rappin. OK, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I would be really curious, Brian, have you read Chew? Uh, I, I've read like an issue or two, but I never I never got into it. And based on that, I'm guessing you weren't maybe super keen on that. Yeah, again, it's not it's something that I, I took issue with or didn't like. It just never it didn't catch me in the first couple of issues, so I didn't. Oh, totally. And I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at. And that's sort of where I was going to go with my own sort of take on this, which is that I think if there was a Venn diagram of people who like and this is my take, obviously, maybe it doesn't reflect reality. If you take the Venn diagram and it's people who like farmhand and people who like chew, I almost feel that it would be a perfect circle. (laughs) No van jokes intended. And um, like, I don't think you'd be able to see any like, oh, here's the portion of overlap. No, because it's like perfect overlap. I think if you didn't really like chew and you're expecting maybe a departure from that, I don't think you're going to get that at all with this book. On the flip side, if you liked Chew and you're sad that that crazy wild party is over, I think this book will more than adequately fill that space. And I think what's enlightening about this book for me, and we, we get to see this sometimes in comics, is that we have, you know, a creative team that's worked together for a long time sort of break out to do their own thing. And and sometimes we always talk about comics are more of a collaborative effort than than even we sometimes think. Mm-hmm. But it's always interesting to have those creators break off and do their own thing because sometimes that allows you to get a better insight or perspective on, oh, you know, I guess, you know, so-and-so was drawing book X, but it looks like 
you know, a lot of the sense of humor from book X was actually being derived from the artist, you know, or things like that. And I think Mm -hmm. what farmhand really shows us uh, in a lot of ways is that either there was way more of a collaborative effort on shoe than we thought, or alternatively that Rob was actually behind a lot of the jokes and gags and humor that we saw in Chu. Like, Chu's obsession with literally drawing text on every single thing in the background of every single panel carries on. It is in full effect in this book. If you are someone who has trouble focusing, this book is going to continue to be a nightmare for you because there's so much stuff to read and look at. It's just all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I I totally totally agree with that. I felt like there, if you if you definitely like Chew, you're definitely going to dig this book. In that, I feel like a lot of the humor that was in Chew also carried over into this book, which makes me totally agree with you there, Nick. That this seems to be a lot of the humor definitely must have been coming from from Gilroy, Gillery, uh, if I could say his last name right for once, and. I think it's, you know, to me, for me, this book is a lot of fun. There's a lot of mystery. There's some some really just dry, stupid humor that exists in order to kind of drive even some plot points, you know. Uh, for instance, you know, this this child-aged Russian assassin with a robot arm, you know, comes out of nowhere and then starts to become an integral part of the story. And, you know, the best friend of Zeke's son, uh, Riley. I mean, I, I love how those things, they all like the, the plot points start to interweave as everyone's trying to get this this seed from from Jedediah and there of course there's just layers and layers of mystery and unfolding that happens in this volume and I think like as far as pacing is concerned I I like the like even going back and rereading this and reading these issues in like a in a full volume um I liked how things expanded on itself um and it didn't seem super rushed because you started to get trickling details as the volume went on and I I think that could be also be said for Chu though Chu decides to take a lot of hard left and right and upwards and downwards turns the series goes on and it seemed like it was about x and it ultimately ends up being about y um i think that farmhand is hand has a little bit more of a straightforward story but still keeps that quirkiness that for me made Chu work really really well yeah i don't know what did you guys think of the story that was contained in this first volume well i don't know if contained is quite the right word (laughs) because the 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 end of the volume feels a lot more like, well, this is five issues and that's how much goes in a trade than we have wrapped up an arc and they're now going to end the volume here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it, it seemed rather abrupt at the end. Like we get this, this reveal that this weird plant thing is like infecting a bunch of people, but we haven't like, it, it, it's, it's an idea that is basically introduced and then left hanging in the last page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I would have liked more of a more of a conclusion to the volume. Right. I mean, because I think I, I I can agree with you there because it does seem like the story just com- consistently builds. We never get any kind of story wrap up. Like it would have been even more successful for them to say okay and then by the end of this arc zeke finds a job and that job ends up leading into a cliffhanger right because then at least we resolved a storyline in order to drive the rest of the story right right um because yeah it is just a constant build-up and i realized that i don't know i was reading this month to month and i didn't find this to be an issue in an issue or a problem for me 
Um, if only because I knew that there was more coming and it was like, this is just the beginning of the story. And I was willing to just kind of roll with that. But I mean, if you're if you're just picking this up, picking this volume up to try to like get into the story, there absolutely is no conclusion by the end of this arc. Yeah, it, it, it's just a thing where that the story doesn't quite play nice with the format of the trade paperback. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Hmm. Which again brings to the big argument that I feel like we're constantly having here is serialization versus original graphic novel. What's stopping you from doing one over the other? Um, and you know, there's there's not enough to be said about that. I don't want to necessarily get into that, but I'd be curious to know if if uh, Guillory actually considered maybe putting out standalone graphic novels versus you know beat by beat issues. But uh, I'm sure there's a genuinely good reason for that. Yeah, like I, I did, I did love the concept of the book though. Mm-hmm. Like this, this like weird aberrant biology kind of stuff is is fully my jam. That's that's the kind of thing that I want to see more of. So I'm glad to, I'm glad there is a comic out here that's doing it, that's taking risks and being kind of like like weird and it doesn't try to explain the science really. It just says like this is a thing that's happening. Go with it, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I I appreciate in this case. Yeah, I I do I do enjoy the like vagueness of whatever the Jedediah seed is, you know? They they don't explain it at all in this volume, right? And as the series goes on, I mean there is definitely they touch on it quite a bit more. But even in this volume, you do see that whatever this thing is, like Jedediah has to be in the room in order to make it happen, and he has this hard rule about we can't work on brains, which kind of gets into this question of what does that mean? Is it creating new life? Is it doing something that's beyond just, you know, giving you a new appendage or at, you know, giving you a new liver or something? Uh, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of questions in that, that, um, adds an air of, of mystery, but undefined, um, like there's no strategic, like this must work inside this scientific block, um, that allows it to be pretty endless in possibility. Nick, what about you? What were your, what were your thoughts on, uh, the story in this volume? Well, I think Guillory is is nothing if not ambitious. I feel like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of characters being juggled. There's a lot of flashbacks. There's a lot of side plots, certain, you know, machinations going on with different players. It's a pretty ambitious volume one. Uh, and, and I appreciate it for that, especially because I feel like for all of the stuff that's being thrown out there, I didn't have a moment where I was having to flip back certain pages and be like, well, who's this character or what's going on? And maybe that just has to do with the fact that everybody, all of the characters look very distinctive uh, for better or for worse, right? Like if you feel it's mm-hmm. hyper stylized or whatever, you know, I can understand how that's a barrier to entry for some people or they don't like it, but you're not going to confuse one character for another in this book. Like that is the one thing that is not going to happen. And so right, right. I felt Despite there being a lot of side plots, flashbacks, um, you know, family history to delve into, you know, local city history to delve into, um, somehow I felt there was a really strong through line that kept me reading. And so I appreciated that. Um, I think it's such a hard thing to do, especially these days, to really... I don't know. And again, like I'm not saying however you however you choose to do this is is your choice, but I think we see a lot of volume 1s in certain series, good and bad series that they're so obsessed with 
putting all of the pieces in the right spots to set everything up that like, I don't know, I was going to say, should we be making chess analogies? But I guess everyone has now seen the Queen's Gambit and chess is cool again. Although I guess this could refer to checkers. <laughs> but my point being, they get so obsessed with putting all of the pieces in place that like nobody actually makes a move, like nothing actually happens. And I feel like this book manages to really thread the line between setting up a solid foundation for subsequent volumes while at the same time keeping you reading with eventful moments that are actually, you know, building throughout this first volume to to keep stringing you along instead of being like, just give me a little longer, you know, and putting up like a, you know, a, a you know, like men at work sign or something like that and being like, just hold on, you know, it doesn't look great right now, but next volume, things will look better. Again, like this is true of good and bad books alike, but I do appreciate books that are able to deliver sort of short-term um, goals while also working towards a bigger one. And now this sounds like corporate synergy, so I'll just, uh, you know, stop right there. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks, Yeah. Nick. Uh, yeah you're welcome <laughs> no i mean again like it's not i'm not saying all good books do this or all yeah, bad yeah, books yeah. don't do this but i appreciate the ones that are capable of doing this and i think again what this shows again is that Guillory is definitely an even more i think creative and a contributing member to books than I think people, unfortunately, you know, relegate artists to, right? Right. I think yeah. this, if anything else, Farmhand just really goes to show you how talented of an individual he is and perhaps how much more of Chu we should really be crediting to him. No offense, John Lehman. Sure. I, it's funny, uh, Ed from the Goodreads posted, he said, I was initially worried Guillory would be, wouldn't be as good at creating a story as he is at the art. For now, my fears are at rest. He writes well. I read through volume three and the story gets a bit complex. There are a lot of balls in the air. I hope he'll be able to catch them all, um, which I think is like an accurate thing. You know, I don't think folks who have read, you know, other books or read books that uh, Guillory was on um, really realized how much he was contributing. And as far as I know, he hasn't done anything else that's been, you know, as widely known as something like Chew for folks to actually see what his, you know, writing chops are about. And you know, some artists are are you know probably contributing a lot more than than you than we probably think. Like Nick said, so um, it's good to see that other people are also recognizing this as well. I mean, Lenny also said, you know, the opening was really co- compelling and creepy uh, and creepy hook that got me immediately. Growing sentient sinister body parts is a great balance of horror and humor. And I thought dot 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 the maintenance uh which you know we saw throughout the book um and yeah i think this book definitely impressed a lot of people just to see, like i think coming to recognize what you were talking about nick that you know he the the guy's a quite quite a capable creator um not just in art but also in storytelling and it's it's good to see that people are recognizing that uh, and again i i really love this book so like i don't really have a lot of complaints about the story other than you know the, the breaks between arcs may mean as you're reading it month to month means that you kind of forget things but going back and rereading this like this is a breeze to read through um i don't know if you guys felt the same way like it was a lot of information that gets dumped into you but also it's not a book that makes you stop and really read through all of the pages you know for mountains of text and stuff um i think it was a really good balance of of information as well as storytelling to keep a good pace going as the book went on yeah as 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 ed pointed out it's going to be interesting 
for me, it sounds like Ed was pretty happy with it, but I think I'm going to keep reading just because there are so many balls in the air with this book. And no pun intended, it certainly seems like Guillory has planted more than enough seeds to really have all sorts of arcs going on. Like you can tell there's a real solid foundation. And for someone like me who starts to like meta textually read their own, uh, read, you know, into their own sort of viewpoints on things. Like for me, I'm always for better or for worse being like, Oh, you know what, what sort of twist or what sort of arc are we trying to like, sort of show a glimmer of and then bury for like seven or eight issues and then have it come back. And with this book, there are so many things that were just sort of shown a a glimpse, like the door gets cracked open just a little and then gets closed. And so for me, it's like, I don't even know which one of these to sort of be like, all right, I'm going to keep my eye on this because I think this is going to be the thing that's going to be relevant down the line. There's just too many of those things to watch which is kind of exciting exactly but it's only a positive if they do actually come back to all those things yeah 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 it, which is interesting because i think you know even after reading up to date like some of that stuff we're still waiting on but i oh, also interesting interesting we're still waiting on when it came to chew and everything didn't get fully delivered until you know the end of volume nine or ten you know or twelve or whatever however the last volume of chew was so like i think and I, I don't mean to necessarily keep comparing it back to Chew, but again, I think the the comments we made before about how it seemed like, you know, Guillory definitely was probably contributing a lot more to the story than we thought um, definitely makes sense given the complexity of this book just in the first arc. Um, but yeah, all that being said, did you guys have any favorite moments from this book um, that you thought really hit or like the comedy worked or the, the, the development of something worked really well? Definitely all of the wild mutation stuff was super interesting to look at. I thought that the Guillory's talent for drawing the grotesque definitely is there. Also, as a minor thing that's just constantly unsettling, like plants bleeding all the time. I don't know what it was, but (laughs) on some level, more than it should be, that was deeply weird and really fucked up that i Um, i watched uh invasion of the body snatchers uh the original not the original but the copy that came out in 19 in the 70s or whatever starring donald sutherland and for some reason that movie came to mind when i was rereading this because of the there's a moment in that movie where there's just this fleshy flower that they focus in on as it's like birthing a human shape out of it to basically be someone's clone. And it made me want to throw up and die as I was watching the movie. And then I was seeing bits and pieces of this where like, there's the, you know, the finger bushes or the the scalp bushes or something like that. And they shave the hair. It's like plants shouldn't have hair. Plants don't have hair. Why? This is the most disgusting thing. Um, but it, it, to me like that, the gross out weirdness thing kind of comes with the territory when you're reading a book, um, you know, that, that Gilroy is, is, is illustrating in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, uh, I, I eagerly await Rob Guillory's office drama series that doesn't involve anything, you know, being dismembered or <laughs> or any other <laughs> elements of body yeah. horror. Um, yeah. But it's always interesting 
when we have an artist or or even a creator who's largely known for one title and has largely spent a large amount just keep saying large Nick has spent you know a great amount of their career on that title it's always sort of interesting to see that next step for them and yeah. so for me that was kind of one of the more um enjoyable parts of this work was to actually get to see that progression or or change happen gotcha Brian what about you uh, any any particular moments that stood out for you for this in this volume there 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 was one line when uh when Riley is making friends with Mikhail and uh his sister says oh god what was it i wrote it down so i wouldn't forget and then i forgot sister calls mikhail a psycho and Riley says mikhail's not a psycho he's angst ridden (laughs) (laughs) that line cracked me up because that was like also me in high school like (laughs) oh can i also say the the eyeball in the dirt that also probably shouldn't have made me uh, as unsettled as I was, but that was very weird and very yeah. fucked up. Yeah, I I think that there's there's definitely a lot of moments in the in the farm with just things in the background. Like it's it's childish. It was it was immature. But there's that the there's a clip of uh, or a panel of patch. Yeah, the melon patch, and I was just like. Of course, we have to have at least mentioned that, right? Um, but one thing that I, I actually, on my second reread of this, um, I thought was really interesting was, you know, uh, Jedediah replaces that woman's nose. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a, a, that scene I thought was really well done because there is sort of this side of Jedediah who's kind of very prideful and he's got a very, some, something happened that allowed him to have control over the seed and no one really knows what, but he also is actually I think genuinely trying to help people like I don't think that there's anything nefarious behind what he's doing it's just of course the bad things are happening to him like a good you know trauma movie where I guess people have good intentions and it's evil or that's not how trauma movies work but uh I I, I think that that scene with uh Jedediah trying to help this woman by giving her a new nose um kind of showed that side of him where he's genuinely trying to help people right like he gives Mikhail a new arm and because he, he's genuinely trying to help the kid and he says even to, he says to him like you know we're we started things like this because you know folks like you who have been in an area where you know war has ravaged you and you've been injured and stuff we want to help you um and i I think that that's a really kind of nice thing to base things off of but as you read the book that nicety really really goes away even in this first volume because you can tell that there's definitely a lot more going on under the hood but i i like that scene to try to show like a nicer side of jed's character because Without that, you would just think that he was doing this for profit or for power or for something else. Um, and it, it seems like there definitely needs to be an unraveling of that character to understand either what what happened or why he has control over this seed. Because, you know, as I said before, there was kind of talk between, you know, Mrs. Thorne uh, or excuse me, uh, yeah, Thorne and and Jed about how he needed to be in the room in order to let this seed grow to help it do something. So it's a matter of does Jed need to be around all the time? As we see in the book, kind of this seed starts to get out of control. Um, or is the idea that in order to get things to grow the way that he wants, Jed has to be around. Otherwise, this thing is going to manifest in other ways of replicating in ways that we can't comprehend. Um, so I'm, I'm happy or I'm hoping to get more explanation of that because as the book goes on, I will say that answer 
has not been given yet. But he's got to be in the in the room where it happens. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, I guess. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts about this book? Otherwise, we can wrap up here just with uh, your final. Uh, I guess a better question would be, do you guys think you're going to keep reading this book? I don't really plan to. I mean, I, okay. I, I might. Like, it, it's one of those things where if I'm, I don't know, if I'm really bored, I might check it out. Because I do, again, I love the concept behind it. Mm-hmm. I just think, I just don't know. I don't see myself getting past the issues I have with the art. Gotcha. And I also, I felt like a lot of the background characters were very, like, stereotypical redneck, so to speak. And, you know, like, like, like Guillory grew up in Louisiana, which is where this book is set. And so maybe that's maybe small town Louisiana really is like that. I don't know. But to me, it just felt very exaggerated. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, what about you, Nick? You think you're going to keep reading this book? Uh, yeah, you know, I think so. Um, it's not something where I'm like going to immediately rush out and, you know, I have to know what happens. But I, it's sort of one of those things where I think. You know, when Image has another sale or something like that, I definitely think I will I'll try to get current on this because um as I said, like I, I think that there's a strong foundation set up here and I'm I'm of course curious to see if and what sort of payoffs are are on the table because um, you know, I think there are some real there's some real potential for different places that this book can go. And, and, and of course I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty curious to see where that goes. I do think, I I will say this. I do think there are some, some people that might tolerate choose artwork and maybe, I don't know. I feel like Guillory is even a little more unrestrained in, um, in farmhand. So like maybe for some people, like maybe they draw the line, like they're like, okay, chew is okay. I don't know about farmhand, but I don't know. It was just something I was kicking around. But I think for the most part, as I said before, the best thing I can say is if you if you liked Chew, I think you're going to be more than okay with this book. If you really didn't like Chew, I really don't know how you would get on board with this book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I personally, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, I, I've been reading this you know, as it comes out. So I'm definitely on board for this, but I'm, you know, I'm glad the folks at, at, at Goodreads chose this book. I think it's interesting to, to take a look at as far as, you know, seeing what the, the folks from Chew did. And uh, yeah, I think Rob's an incredibly talented creator to be, I, I hope that one day, Brian, you do get a chance to read this because I think you'll enjoy some of the unfolding that happens in the later volumes. But um, yeah, thanks again to everybody who uh, voted on this and who participated in the Goodreads group, um, commented and stuff like that. And, posted okay to air uh i want to say thanks to danny who's hanging out on the uh the discord with us and remember that we are doing an annual on january 4 january 24th so if you want to get into that giveaway for a t-shirt a hat or a sweater send us a voicemail you can call us at 616-209-9152 or email us at ircbpodcast at gmail.com the recording try to keep it under you know like two minutes or so because we're going to try to play those live on the episode um and as far as following folks, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Brian at Brianhead. You can follow Nick at Death Star Plans. And you can follow me at Mike Rappin. The show at IRCB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, where I try to post regular stories, getting answers from folks about what they've been reading. I'm going to try to do more of that reading on the show because I think that's fun. This show and our many subscriber-only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. 
You can join us over there at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please go ahead and take a minute to rate our show on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever. Uh, Give us five stars. I think we've earned it. We would also encourage you to join us on Discord. That's at ircbpodcast.com forward slash Discord. And make sure to tell a friend or two about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander is our editor. Cool guy. Fun guy. Cool guy. Part two. He edits the show. Uh, I want to say thank you again to everyone on Discord and uh, who you know rates and hangs out with us and uh, calls us and bothers us and harasses us and it's just you know just good good natured folks. Um, and thank you for listening and all that stuff. And until next time, comics are good and so are you.